This episode of the Disney Film Project is sponsored by TouringPlans.com. Head over to TouringPlans.com and use their tools to save yourself time and money when you are at Walt Disney World or Disneyland. You can use the Lines application on your mobile phone, use the Crowd Calendar to figure out which parks to hit which days, or use the Touring Plans to save time and money waiting in line. TouringPlans.com is the sponsor of this episode of the Disney Film Project. Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project Podcast, the show where we talk about the films of the Walt Disney Company. It's just that simple. It's in the name. It's right there. Glad you took the time to download us and listen. I'm Ryan Kilpatrick, and together with these folks, we run DisneyFilmProject.com, where you can find show notes for this show, all of our shows. Uh, You can find Blu-ray and DVD reviews. You can find articles about old films and shorts. It's all waiting for you right over there at DisneyFilmProject.com, so go and check that out. Joining me, as always, we have our wonderful film buffs. First of all, there is Mr. Todd Perlmutter, who is a blogger at TouringPlans.com. He is Chief Technical Officer at DisneyDrivenLife.com. He works at OnTheGoInMCO.com. Uh, and I believe he has hacked into the domain of collegeroadtrip.com. I'm not sure. Uh, so somebody has to, I guess. Yeah. I, I would assume that it existed when this movie was released. <laughs> it probably did. I don't know. It doesn't exist now, but I don't think. But yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's probably out there. It's probably doing a thing. I don't know we, what else to say. We could go squat on it for the inevitable sequel. <laughs> the inevitable sequel? Do you really think there's going to be an inevitable sequel? It wouldn't surprise me in ten years. I'm just saying. I'm I'm burned, Todd, after our Hunchback Two and Mulan Two experiences. You know. Oh, I guess yeah. The two is well. It's not a two though. This one is not. No, this is very true. I'm just yeah. saying. Eventually, the Disney tends to come back around with with sequels. And I, I refer you to the Beverly Hills Chihuahua franchise, but that's a whole other story for another day. I honestly don't think Raven Simone's made a movie since this. I think you're right about that. <laughs> so I think interesting. That, I think that says it all. Yeah. Unless you count her in Tinkerbell. She's in Tinkerbell? Yes. She's, she's one of the voices, voices yes. yes. Oh. I'm sorry to hear that. Hey, hey. Wow. We'll, we'll talk. I'll, I'm going to stick up for Raven Simone. We'll talk about this later. All right. Uh, also, that voice you heard saying, wow, just there, that's Miss Brianna Alessio. We know you all love, love her. Uh, she can be found over at Adventures of Brie at adventuresofbrie.blogspot.com. How are you, uh, Miss Brie? I'm doing well today. How are you, sir? I'm just, just peachy because I live in the peach state, you know, so. That makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And, of course, the glue, uh, the straw that stirs the drink, rather, of this podcast, of course, is Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who uh, is the producer, editor, uh, cat herder, wrangler extraordinaire. Uh, you can find her also sometimes over at onthegoatmco.com, but you can also find her at about.me slash Cheryl P3 or on Twitter at Cheryl P3. How are you, Cheryl? Good. So today we will be discussing, as, as Todd mentioned, a Raven Simone film. Executive produced by Raven Simone, no doubt. 
Uh, College Road Trip, starring the starring Miss Simone as well as Martin Lawrence in the lead roles. Uh, Raven plays Melanie Porter, a college-bound girl who is trying to figure out where she'll be going to school with lots of unhelpful input from her father, James Porter, played by Martin Lawrence, who is the chief of police in the uh, suburb that they live outside of Chicago. So he, the movie opens with him laying out his grand vision for how colleges will be selected, which as a father I can relate to because his vision is out of the 4,000 colleges there are in the United States, there are only a certain number of them that are close to his house. One. One, mainly, <laughs> Northwestern. But but his criteria, he offers other criteria which are completely unimportant because the most important thing is Northwestern is a 28-minute drive from his house. No, no, it's 40 miles from home and a 28-minute drive from his house. Yes. Pay attention to that. <laughs> well, he is, he is a police officer, therefore he does have a siren he can use, although he is reluctant to do so, as we find right. out later. Well, one presumes for, to get to see his daughter at Northwestern, that was his plan. Yeah. No, no, it's true. He lists five criteria for it, and uh, three of them are distance from home. The other, yes. two are, the other two are academics and campus safety. Right. Which are somewhat important, but for the most part, it's distance from home. And again, as a father, I agree with this as the primary criteria for where your children should go to school. I can agree. I can understand that. That doesn't mean that they will listen. Just means that's 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 my primary criteria. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so as you can imagine, this uh, the, the whole setup of the movie is that there is tension between Melanie, Raven's character, and James as far as where he's going to go, uh, or where she's going to go, rather, to, to college. That That's the sort of the premise of the movie, and the whole idea is that they have to take a trip together to figure this, this whole thing out because she gets an invitation uh, for an interview in Georgetown, which is in D.C., Washington, D.C., for those of you who don't know. Uh, so they have to figure out a way to somehow reconcile her ability to go to Georgetown with his inability to let her go farther than 28 miles from home or 40 miles from home. Rather. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting. So I, I been wondering, is, was this supposed to be a whole different movie? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here, no, 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 no. Hear, hear me out. So the, when they were filming this movie, I was reading that the title for the movie when they were filming it was National Lampoon's College Road Trip. Now, knowing, without discussing it, but knowing about the other National Lampoon movies, yes. I would have expected a completely different movie than a G-rated movie with Raven Simone and Martin Lawrence. So I wonder if I wonder if Raven's executive producership is is reason for that because she is listed as an executive producer on the movie. Uh, and, and as I said, I will stick up for her because I met her a couple of times, actually booked her to do concerts in my former life. And she's very sweet and very wholesome. At least she was to, to me. And, in, and that's in private, not in front of other people, fans and, you know, that sort of thing, just workers backstage, that kind of thing. So I wonder if it's, if it was her not wanting to project a certain kind of image. I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. I just you know well hear me out. I don't I don't have anything against her singing career. I think she's fine there. Um, I just like I don't think she's a very good actress. 
Oh, I would agree with that. I don't. I, she's definitely not a, a a great actress. I think she's good at what she can do, which is basically over comedic acting, slapstick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is why her show was was decent because that's what they asked her to do. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack so much there, but I was just like when I like when I saw that, and I'm like, well, this is interesting because they completely twisted it. So. Yeah, that is that is interesting because yeah, a, a National Lampoon movie is not going to be as wholesome as this movie turns out to be, which I think we can all say is it's, this is very safe, very family friendly. My I watched it with my kids, uh, and they enjoyed it, uh, especially Albert the pig. <laughs> <laughs> did, did did you know all about the Albert the pig in the movie? I, I I had no idea what to expect. Uh, so to explain to those of you out here who haven't seen it. Uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but I don't think we're really going to ruin anything. The, the, as Todd was saying, most of most of the, the appeal of this movie is the slapstick humor, so uh, we're not going to recreate those moments. But the, there, Melanie has a younger brother, Trey, who basically conducts all sorts of strange experiments. He's like Phineas and Ferb before Phineas and Ferb. It's kind of the way I would put it. And Trey has a pig... Albert, who is apparently menacing James, like the pig stares at him at inappropriate times, and in fact, like has figured out how to hack his computer and watch him sleep. And I'm not making that up. No, that happens. Yes. Did Did you know that to do the movie, they they had to use eleven pigs to do the movie? That doesn't surprise me because there was a lot of pig. It, well, the the reason why is because it took them twelve weeks to do the shooting for the, you know, the fundamental shots for the movie and everything like that. Right. But a baby pig grows at a weight rate of about two pounds a week. So in order to maintain uh, the size, they had to keep swapping the pig out every week, basically. Twelve weeks is not really a a long shoot. No. Well, there's is there really a lot of set work or anything in this movie? No, I don't imagine so. Yeah, they—they, they, I mean, the whole movie is filmed in, in Connecticut near Bridgeport and like five surrounding towns. It's not—they didn't go that far. They didn't do that much. There wasn't a lot of travel involved. So, hmm. I'd have to guess that most of it was due to the um, the younger brother, his age, because they because of rules regarding how long kids can work. Oh, uh, that that would make sense. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, Trey and the pig are the probably the most outlandish and uh, we weird. I don't. I, I was gonna say funny, but it's really just weird. It provides some humor, but <laughs> yeah, no, no, they are funny. Uh, there's, but it, funny, strange, not funny like you know, like haha, just like yeah, exactly, yes, yeah. That that's a good way to put it, but no. So when the movie the movie opens, it's like we said, it's it's about James and he's talking about how his plans for having Melanie go to Northwestern, and uh, we sh- get a nice shot of him walking some perp out of a a building so that we've established that he's a cop, and then we see we open with Melanie uh, doing a mock trial between the big bad wolf and and the three little pigs, and she manages to get the big bad wolf off, which I think that's great. You know, good defense attorney Melanie. She managed to get the big bad wolf, who I think has been misunderstood. Uh, Throughout time, it's clearly the pig's fault. Yeah, absolutely. They taunted, they they poked, they bullied. I mean, in today's, you know. Hold on two seconds. Uh, Let me interrupt you, Ryan. (laughs) 
Todd, you are totally on the side with the pigs because you were dancing with them three weeks ago. Oh, well, you know. I see. When in Rome, you know, you you do what you got to do. He could have been buddies with the wolf. The wolf was there, too. I'm just calling him out on it. Okay. All All right. right. So we will investigate the pig-wolf conspiracy with Mr. Perlmutter later. Uh, But so this mock trial, a college recruiter sees her at the trial, and that's how she gets the invitation to go to Georgetown. So that, that kind of sets everything in motion. It's the inciting incident in the movie. And then there's lots of discussion back at the Porter household as to, you know, well, James doesn't want her to go to Georgetown. And his, her, his wife says, you know, but you got to be free. You got to let her do what she's going to do. And this is basically the whole thrust of the movie. Uh, and then we go to, as, as they're thinking through things, you get James, of course, later that night, um, some friends come over and Melanie goes out on a uh, Melanie goes out with her friends uh, Brenda Song and Margot Harshman, who play the, her friends Nancy and Katie, who mainly appear in the movie just to be annoying, best I can tell. Actually, I believe they were both under contract. I'm guessing with Disney, um, because because uh, Brenda Song was doing um, Sweet, Sweet Life, Life. Guy, Sweet Life, and the other girl had done Even Stevens. Right. Not to mention, at that point in time, Brenda Song was trying to break into movies as well. Yes. And I have nothing against the actresses. Just the characters are basically there to shriek and be annoying. And drive a vehicle. Yeah. Because we never see them outside the vehicle. Well, no, sorry. In the slumber party we do. It's a slumber party we do. That's right. So, yeah, no, it's true. Um, This is also very... um, when you do the G-rated Disney movies or the ones that they show on Disney Channel, this wasn't a Disney Channel movie, by the way, folks. This one was actually released in the theaters. Just so we're but clear it might there. As well, have been. I'm just that, saying. I agree because it really, basically, is a Disney Channel. It has that same flavor to it. But those the G movies always have that point where the kids lie about something to their parents, and this is that like scene, right? <laughs> yes. So. They lie about uh, the fact she she lies about the fact that she's going to. She says they're going to go and uh, what, I don't even remember what the lie was, but they said they they end up going to a party. I can't remember what they said they Cel- were going to celebrate do. the mock trial. Yes, by sitting at home or something like that. So that I'm just up, I'm yeah. just saying Martin Lawrence was was not smart in this occasion. That was an easy one to figure out, but that's just me. But it, it starts a long. Uh, history throughout the movie or or motif i guess you could say of martin lawrence's character sitting down and watching videos of his daughter which he does like three four times during the movie yeah and and this is when he has his clarifying moments is when he does this but he he shows off to the friends that have come over that he has a videotape library which by the way 2008 and he's got rows upon rows of VHS tapes. He Anybody else con- find that weird? I did too. He, he should have been converting. For sure. I'm just saying, somebody that conscientious, he would have been, He sh- at least he would have converted this stuff to DVD. His I, house is modern enough. He His video should be modern too. Through DVD. Exactly. Don't, don't forget the family motto, be there, take video. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Our, our, we have a similar one, but it's only photos. We 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 just go straight photos because you know we're awkward enough. We don't need people to see it in video form. 
But what's happening, what happens at the party is that Nancy and Katie say they're about to go to Pittsburgh to interview at a college. Uh, and Melanie wants to go with her, but she can't go with them. Uh, but she can't, of course, because her father is very controlling and all this sort of thing. And it's when the next day when she gets the invitation to Georgetown that she figures it out and says, hey, they can drop me off in D.C. because Pittsburgh's not that far away. Now, in what world that's not far away, I'm not really sure. But according to the rules of the movie, Pittsburgh and D.C. are very close together. <laughs> well, what can you expect? Yeah. And, and that's when poor James goes to the shooting range to vent his frustrations. <laughs> awkward scene. Very awkward because he's next to two guys on the force – who were is, talking about all the crazy things they is, did. Isn't one of them the guy who was over his house the night before, too? Yes. yes. Okay, I wasn't crazy about that. Okay. Yes, and, and they're talking about all the crazy things they did in college, or at least as much as they can say in a G-rated movie. Right. And he is getting successively larger and larger guns to shoot and blow away the targets and going hysterically insane. It does also does not help him that the two guys next to him, there is, I guess, co-workers are telling all these stories from college? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have a feeling that if this had been an originally a National Lampoon's college road trip, as you said, Todd, those stories would have been much worse. Perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. I, it's hard to say. Yeah. No, it's not. No, it's really not. It would, they would have been very bad. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, James's wackadoo plan that he comes up with is that he's going to take her on the college road trip, but he's going to do so in his police cruiser. Did yes, anyone else find that strange? Very strange. I also like that he's put this big sign on the back of it that says Georgetown Express. Yeah. 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 And he's not fooling anybody with that. No. No. Because he, he's, he's still not on board with the whole Georgetown thing. Perfectly clear. Uh, and, and Melanie tries to convince her mom, say, don't let him take me, all this kind of stuff, but it doesn't work. you know. Uh, so next thing we know, they are out the door, and they are uh, – Melanie and her father are headed towards Georgetown, uh, at least theoretically, right? Because he, play, he uh, tries to get her to talk to him and plays this song, Double Dutch Bus, that he says they used to sing together when they were in the car, and she – basically says she doesn't remember it and she doesn't like it. So he's feeling all hurt and, you know, misguided and she's uh, looking out the window. Off the CD, da the daddy-daughter groove machine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. You guys found that odd? Because I have that CD. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, awkward. <laughs> awkward, yes. Um, all right. Um, so moving on. Uh, but it's, she's looking out the window and that notices that Northwestern is coming up. And yes, he has indeed tricked her and is going to take her for a quick visit to road on their college quote unquote road trip uh, to Northwestern before they end up at Georgetown. Yes. Yes. The, so, oh, you know what I wanted to mention? The, uh, did you know that the double Dutch bus thing is a real song? I did. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like not just from this movie, like it completely predates this movie. Yeah. Uh, did you know what its actual distinction is? What? It's one of only a few songs ever to be given a double gold certification by the RAA. 
Really? Yeah, because it because two different releases of the song both received gold certifications. I'm guessing that one of them was not the Raven Simone version that she does in the no, movie. No, no, these are these are the original 1981 versions of the song. It was released uh, in June, like like half like in summer of the year of that it, in 1981 that it was released, um, and it was released again I think like in September or October, and both gotcha. both releases got gold. Impressive. Yeah. Especially considering it's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I wasn't interested. Just that that's just me. It's fine. Yeah. But it's not for me. Which I think you could probably say about the movie in general. It's just uh, the movie's not bad. It just wasn't for me. But that's a whole other thing. We'll get to that. But yes, so they get to Northwestern, and her father arranges for a tour. He goes in the. Uh, university bookstore and buys up all the Northwestern gear he can find, including a foam finger. <laughs> and this is where they get on the tour and they meet up with the insanely happy father daughter, uh, played by the father by Donnie Osmond and the daughter by an actress named Molly Ephraim, who I don't know that you're going to know from anything, but the main thrust here is that Donnie Osmond and his daughter are like insanely happy, insanely lovey-dovey with each other and in general just insane <laughs> I, I i think here, here's my problem this is my overall problem with the movie is that they really should have used these characters more because i think it would have been a a much better movie had they well they kind of it's kind of like they went they they made a choice of either being you know very much about the daddy-daughter dynamic or just completely slapstick comedy you know what I mean? Like in each scene, they made the choice: which is it going to be? And this was so clearly like a, com- a a slapstick comedy that they should have just gone that way. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I just like I feel like I the, for the three scene, three or four scenes that they're in, like you just really want more of these characters, despite how annoying they are. I was reading an interview by Donny Osmond, and he was saying how he was super excited to be doing this movie um, because he, he for him he considers Disney like Walt Disney to be responsible for his career. Did you know that? Yes. Uh, yes, I did know that, yes. Yeah. So, so you, you know the whole story about him and the Osmonds and being discovered by Walt and all that stuff? Indeed, but please share. go ahead and share because yeah. I'm, I'm sure most people don't. Yeah, so um, well, it was Walt Disney himself who discovered the Osmonds, not him at the time because he wasn't part of the group when, they, when he Walt discovered them. But uh, Walt was the one who recommended to the producer of the Andy Williams show to have the Osmonds on. The Andy Williams show was a, one of those variety shows. Um, and so he did the, – they did have him on the Andy Williams show, and then not long after that, Donnie joined the group. And then he and his sister went off and had their own little thing. But he – that whole cascade of their careers is all thankful to, for them. Now, here's the funny thing. Did you know that for his stuff on this movie, he came and did it? Within 12 hours of his final performance of uh, Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. That I did not know. Yeah, he basically got on a plane and then went and did all his role stuff for this movie, like, right after. It's crazy. Yep. I remember the Osmonds from, uh, there was a, back when Disney Channel used to show Disney stuff overnight, there was a whole uh, episode of one of the anniversary shows of Disneyland, and I don't remember which one it was, where they had the Osmond brothers on, and they were riding all the rides and doing stuff. That that was pretty cool. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so they meet they meet Doug, 
Donny Osmond's character who's insanely happy and talking and just laughing and giggling and doing all kinds of things. And then the, and so meanwhile, while they're sitting there at the tour, up comes this handsome gentleman as Mel- Melanie tries to get away. And this handsome guy offers to take her on a tour. And so she, of course, accepts, and they go on their whole tour, and you know they're going around, and she's just flirting with him, and he's flirting back and doing all this wonderful stuff until finally uh, he says – she says, oh, my father's this or that or the other, and you know she's not happy about who her father – the way her father is behaving, and he starts talking about – the, the guy starts talking about how, you know, well, you know, my dad, you know, I live here at college or, or I live here close to home because I can get free laundry and uh, I can – it's just a close visit for a home-cooked meal and all these sorts of things. And she, Melanie responds with, oh, my dad says the same thing. And the guy says, yeah, the chief's a pretty smart guy. <laughs> Big mistake. Yeah, well, obviously he wasn't the very smart guy. This guy. No, no, because he basically tipped off the whole thing that he was an actor hired by her father, who she then goes to confront. And one of the deputies that we saw earlier uh, at the shooting range comes up and has an eye patch on, says how you know, oh, I just transferred here because I was stabbed in the eye when I was at Georgetown. <laughs> <laughs> I like why he screams that. That's Stabbed in the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which which was kind of crazy because that was a little over the top. As was the eight hundred other people that James had apparently hired to sit around and have all sorts of uh, maladies that they had gotten at Georgetown before they ended up at Northwestern. Yeah, because as soon as he calls it off. <laughs> Wheelchairs, casts, crutches, everything. Yeah. I was thinking that they could have done that just a little bit better by, like, maybe, like, having them actually be in other parts, like, while they were walking around and then have them all be there on the lawn, but they were just, like, all there on the lawn. You hadn't seen them before, so it was a little non sequitur. Yeah. Yeah, it was It was a little weird because, the, yeah, the whole timing and everything was a little off, um, considering like you said, that they hadn't seen them all before. And it was just right after the whole, uh, the chief's a pretty smart guy thing. Like it makes sense. But then these people just sort of appeared out of nowhere for, for a one gag joke as opposed to using them more. Yep. That's the thing. It's it's like they, they, they had this really funny slapsticky thing, but they only used it for that one moment because to do more would have made it even more slapstick comedy, I guess. Yeah, it, it's just weird because, like, like we we were saying earlier, it's like I mean, I don't know why you put two people who are slapstick in as the main characters in a movie and then just like hold back on that. Yeah, because Martin Lawrence throughout the whole thing, like the guy is an over the top comedian. I think we all recognize that, but he's pretty subdued throughout the whole thing. You know, he's definitely playing the father card the whole way through and not being quite as crazy or boisterous as he as he can be in other movies yeah i can i I agree he's just not he's not he seems off his game for a lot of the movie he's very subdued like i wanted to get him a cup of coffee a lot of times during the whole movie (laughs) 
Because, I mean, if you've ever watched Martin Lawrence stuff from, you know, a 10 years before this in like 98 or the mid 90s, this is it's not the same guy. Now, granted, he's, he's grown up a lot, but, you know, yeah, still. So uh, when they are they are then driving down the road from George from Northwestern, headed out to Georgetown, they're going to go stay at James's mother's house, Melanie's grandmother's house in Pittsburgh. Uh, before they head head over to Georgetown, and they have some trouble with the pea chips, <laughs> <laughs> which is the police GPS, which James refuses to call anything but pea chips. Yes, even though, as Melanie points out, it you could just call it police GPS. Right. It's kind of funny. This at the point in time when this movie came out, I mean. People had GPSs, but they weren't quite as ubiquitous as they are now. Right. Right? So I guess this was a funnier scene in 2008 when they made this movie because I didn't find this scene, like, funny at all because I'm like, whatever. <laughs> I found the scene funny because of the, 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 the issue that we're having now with GPS is that it, it is sending people down, like, nowhere. <laughs> so that's, that's how I found it funny by relating it to, you know – Hey, our you know, unless you know, sometimes some people are being sent down nowhere and just keep driving it. It's true. It's true. I like I I found P Gips funny because just because of the way he talked and the way that the map made a little mouth and everything. I thought that was funny. Yes, yeah, so thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Yes. But yes, P Gips sends them down the wrong side of the road and you know, the wrong thing they end up basically busting a tire back in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the woods. Uh, and when James goes to change the tire, he opens the back door to the police cruiser, pulls out the emergency supplies. And there is Trey and Albert, the pig. <laughs> Us- using oxygen to survive. Yeah. Because they're in a giant metal box <laughs> with no holes, <laughs> which is freaky. He, now, children he, do not do this. No. no. He he did say he modified it for climate control or something like that. He does say that. You're right. Well, and the reason why he wanted is because he says that he has to get a message to the Secretary of Defense. He tells James this before they leave. And he says the message is that he has weaponized pigs. (laughs) Yes, he created created a race of super pigs. Yes. (laughs) And he wants to get this to the Secretary of Defense because it will help to defeat our enemies. And James says, well, you're going to have to deliver that message on your own. And Trey took it upon himself to just get in the back of the car because he said you have to get there on your own. And this was the way he figured out to do it. I have three words for you guys. Pigs in space. Whoa. What if what if this is the origin story of pigs in space? What if I'm just is, saying. What if this is the beginning of a whole line of pig movies where they talk? Oh, no. No. <laughs> oh. No more talking animal movies, Disney. None. Well, what if they're Muppets? Yes. Oh, you know yeah, what? Okay, that's allowed. That's allowed. You're right, Cheryl. You know, I forgot to mention about the pig earlier. Is there's, a, there's a scene earlier in the movie, but before they leave also, where uh, they, ha- they show Albert coloring with crayons. Yes. And if you look on the sheet of paper, he's coloring a spider web that says some pig in it, like Charlotte's Web. Yes. Oh, okay. I missed that. <laughs> Creepy pig. Creepy pig. They managed to get Trey and Albert out of the back, and then as James is jacking up 
the car, uh, he jacks it up a little too far, and it falls over and rolls down the cliff. Yeah. Now, I've never seen a remote-controlled jack that's going to jack the car up taller than the human body. <laughs> but it yeah. happened anyway. But it, but it was here. Yes. These things obviously happen all the time. Clearly. <laughs> I like when it's at the bottom of the hill and he's trying to write it on his own as if he could actually do that. <laughs> well, my question, my question is where did the remote control jack that jacks things up go? Because why couldn't he have stuck it under the other side of the car? That's true. I didn't even think about that. And it is, an, it is a police SUV, so it should be fine driving in all that terrain and stuff like that as well. So Exactly. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, but they just left the car there. Albert the pig then navigates their way to a hotel. After Does a bad you, I, last joke. Yeah, I just want to let that sink in for a second. Albert the pig navigates their way to the hotel. Not, not the humans. The pig. Mm-hmm. Well, he, race of super pigs. Apparently soon to be in space. Yes. But but the problem is the hotel will not accept pets, so they have to pretend that Albert is a baby. James has to bundle him up and pretend that he's a baby. They get into the hotel room, and Melanie decides she's going to make some coffee. James says, no, caffeine is a drug, and you can't have drugs. Which, which was crazy. I, I, right, because the kids like are drinking soda earlier in the movie, so... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and and James dumps the coffee beans into the trash, which unfortunately Albert the Super Pig gets into and becomes the Flash. After his bath. Yes, after he and Trey are sitting in the bath playing chess with each other. Kind of? Which let me let me just ask one question here, Cheryl. Uh where did they get the pink float and the pirate flag for Albert to float in in the bath? Oh, in the hotel course because they always keep those things at the, the top shelf and all the closet it's in every hotel room i stay at it was yep. in the emergency supplies <laughs> i know my vacations would never be the same if i didn't have the little pink floaty device <laughs> don't ever forget your pink flotation devices <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay clearly, clearly right i'm staying the wrong places can i just see this point i just thought of your daughter <laughs> doing this sitting, sitting in the tub playing chess with a pig yes she's she would likely do that yes i can believe that she's also she would be equally likely to eat all the coffee beans and turn into turn into a super powered speedster <laughs> lay your bets now as to which she would do or both oh yes true uh, because Albert does both. He turns into, I mean, literally, he's bouncing off the bed uh, and eventually off the walls because once the porter opens the door, he jumps out the out the door and starts running around the hotel with James and Melanie chasing him. And eventually out the window onto the top of a tent that's set up outside the hotel for a wedding. And we go inside the wedding, and apparently they were trying to stick with this like father-daughter comparison motif, right? Because we had we had Doug, Donny Osmond's character, and his daughter, and then now we have a man who is getting his daughter married, and has apparently spent lots and lots and lots of money to build literally a statue in her honor inside the wedding tent. <laughs> See, I thought this guy was supposed to be a mafia don. It wouldn't surprise That's me. That's what I thought. 
Oh, it, it didn't matter. It just I, it was funny because he's singing the song and he's uh, and he's like working the cost of everything into the song. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was because everything. And trust me, he spent a lot of money. He was he was not cheap. He was kind of like George Banks. Yeah, that's true. But his but his his daughter. I think there was. I think you're right about the more I think about this, Todd, the more I think you're right because I agree with Cheryl. This guy seemed like a mafia Don type. And his daughter I think there was going to be a joke about the pig because his daughter is sitting there like gnawing stuff, uh like crazy. Like she's she's definitely a a bit of a glutton, if you will. Well well there is the roast pig on the table that was like close to being in front of her, so Yeah. This whole entire wedding scene is so cringeworthy. I mean, a lot of the movie, I guess, is, but especially this one scene. Oh, very. Bad. Yeah. I I agree. Because Albert the pig runs around and basically destroys the wedding while James is running through. The tent collapses. The bride gets sauce on her dress. It's it's just horrible. It's bad stuff. Typical slapstick. Destroy a wedding too. Oh yeah. Yeah, not I, there's not a bone of originality in the movie, at least as far as I can tell. Which which is not to say that's bad, but you, you know, because you can still make a, a good movie with reusing things from other films or you know other tropes like we've talked about and doing them well. And this one does does okay at that. I wouldn't say it's great, but it does okay at it. But there's definitely – you're not going to watch this and go, wow, that's a neat inventive comedy shtick that I've never seen before. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So once, once we get past the wedding, the next morning they are uh, in a diner about to pick up some food when Doug and Wendy walk in again. Yay! Yes. Oh. <laughs> we have dueling opinions on Donny Osmond's appearances. <laughs> But they offer to give them a ride because they don't have a car. They offer to give them a ride to the bus stop, which they do, while singing Christmas carols incessantly. Now, mind you, this is in, what, probably April, May time frame? Yes. Yeah. And they're yeah. singing incessant Christmas carols. Painful. And enjoying it to a bit of lunacy. Very uh, Yeah. Because, I mean, she's like, the daughter is like, just, I just hear a Christmas carol and I can't stop. And and that's really kind of the voice she used. I thought it was a very good impression. <laughs> and, and the funny part is James is sort of getting into it. You know what I mean? Like, he's kind of singing along. He likes them. I mean, he keeps saying throughout the movie that he likes them. Yes. Which, which casts doubt on his judgment, I think. I think that's the whole point. You no, know, I though. think they were. You know what? I really have to. I think they were good people. Oh, I agree with that. And so, you know, you can't fault good people. And they were from Orlando. <laughs> well, we all know what troubles we have with those folks from Orlando. That's, that's a whole other story. <laughs> Uh, so they managed to drop them off at the bus, and Melanie manages to get them a seat on a tour bus. Which turns out to be a group of Japanese tourists. A karaoke tour bus. Yes. Which is painful in and of itself after all the singing they have just been through. 
Uh, they are starting to try to, Melanie and her father are trying to somewhat work out their differences. Even Trey and Albert are trying to figure out how they can, you know, start acting better towards each other. And apparently, uh, and I'm going to keep this in mind as my daughter gets older, the cure for things that are going wrong between you and your, your young daughter is for her to get up in front of a group of Japanese tourists and do a remix version of Double Dutch Bus. Yeah, what's the problem? Yeah, that's a little parenting tip for all of you out there. Because well, basically we go through like four minutes of a Raven Simone music video. Yep, this actually was a music video. Yeah. On on Disney Channel. They 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 put it on Disney Channel. I remember yeah, watching this. Yeah, it, it's got a few more added scenes than if you watch the full video because it's got uh, Donny Osmond stuff in it as well, so... That's kind of scary. Yeah. But yeah, that's and so when she finishes singing Double Dutch Bus in her inimitable Raven Simone way, that's when they that was the cure for them to start talking because she admits that she did in fact remember the song, although I have my doubts. And they <laughs> they start talking about Georgetown and about the Cooper program, which she had she had not told him about. Uh, which which is this program that requires her to spend a semester in Japan. And they start talking and talking and talking. We fortunately don't have to listen to all of this. Uh, but eventually, by the time they get off the bus at James's mother's house, that is when uh, everything's fine and they're, they're good with each other. <laughs> this is one of my favorite moments in the movie, when they show up at Grandma's house because all, yes. they're, having like, they're having an old person dance party, and then he goes – she's like, oh, no – and they're like, what? And it's like, it's my son. And they're like, the crazy controlling one? And it's like, yes. And they all, like, take off and hide. Yes, because apparently... Yeah. Uh, the more... Now that you've mentioned the whole National Lampoon thing, like, I can see where this scene would have come from. <laughs> and that one lady stands in the living room and throws a sheet over her head. So yes. <laughs> and they're climbing out the windows as he's walking in and stuff like that. It's It's hysterical. <laughs> Uh, yes. Yeah, so they go into Grandma's house, and of course she welcomes them in with open arms. She changes out of her flamenco dress into her, you know, house shoes and <laughs> Grandma wear. Yep. And uh, welcomes them in. James installs her new security system, which basically is the entire floodlights from the uh, from Giant Stadium in New York, I think. Uh, flooding her lawn if anyone walks out the front door. That scene cracks me up. <laughs> well, it's it's like he makes them go look, and he puts on sunglasses, but doesn't offer any to them, and then turns on the light. It's because he's a horrible person, really. <laughs> I think is what we what we see. Yeah, J James is mean, but yeah, he gets to, he get, he goes in, and uh, the whole thing is that her friends are going to have a slumber party at a sorority house in Pittsburgh. His mother lives in Pittsburgh. They managed to come up to uh, grandmother's house and say, well, can you, do you want to come to the slumber party? Cause we managed to stay here an extra day. They were there originally the night before and they managed to stay an extra day. And she says, sure, let's go. And James, you know, because they've had this great breakthrough moment, he's okay with it. Or yeah. so he thinks. Can I make a comment about the scene? Please do. Okay. I have never, ever witnessed in my younger years, around that age, whatever, 
that much excitement over a slumber party. Those girls were screaming at the top of their lungs about sleeping over, like, together. That doesn't happen. <laughs> to, to be fair, they screamed that way about, like, forward motion. That's true. <laughs> that is true, and I don't understand that either. Okay, I'm done. About forward motion. I like that. Yeah. Well, they did. I'm just saying. They did. And it's, and it's very irritating. Yes, they were, they were very irritating just in general. I, I completely agree. But yes, James thinks he's okay, and then he starts watching television again. <laughs> Animal Kingdom. Yes, about the gazelle and how the gazelle is running away from its father and therefore it's getting killed by the lion. Now, this was used in another Disney movie, right? I'm not, this is not just me, right? They used this other theory in another Disney movie where they were, he was watching movies. I, I think Disney's done it more than once where they've used scenes yeah. from their special little, from their, you know, animal, various animal series movies to cover, okay. to cover themes like this. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I can't but think of it either. I, I'm, I, I want to say the Steve Martin movie, but I don't think that's true. But I don't know where else they did that. Okay. I, I believe you. Was it in uh, Father of the Bride, maybe? That's what I'm thinking. But I don't yeah. remember. I don't remember it. Maybe it was in Father of the Bride 2. It could have been. could have been. All right. But yes, yeah, so he, he gets worried and he calls Melanie, who has left her phone in one of the girls' bedrooms. And one of the girls picks up after gargling or something, and she sounds like a man and says that her name is Chris, which <laughs> freaks him out. Yep. Yeah. As seemingly everything does. And, and not, not to mention she talked to a girl, another girl named Bobby. Bobby, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a good point. <laughs> Good point. And so he has to go over there, and he he can't get in the front door because the headmistress or whatever of the sorority won't let him in, says he's being creepy, which he is. Because yeah. he then goes around and grabs a ladder to get to climb up the window because when he looks up in the window, they're doing their little dance party thing, and it looks like his daughter is being attacked, stabbed, oh. uh, hung – Choked, yeah. The guy, yeah. the guy needs to needs to relax a little bit. Yeah, because then he breaks in. Yeah. And and honestly, would she be dancing while being choked? Can I also bring up a, another point? Point: If I'm a police officer, why would I not bring my ID with me? Exactly. You always do that wherever. Yes, you I agree, Cheryl. That's the one flaw I found in that. I mean, I was willing to let most of the scene go. It's like lampoonished. But the part where they should have let go was at that part. It's not okay. I agree. I agree. We need the extra stuff. I'm on, I, I agree. You're right. All right. So he manages to get into the room... Right as all the girls leave, he sees that everything's okay because they're fine. But then they start coming back into the room, and he has to hide. So he ends up under the bed the entire night while the girls are chit-chatting, 
talking, laughing, carrying on. And eventually Melanie in, you know, says, well, my dad was really cool on the bus and we had a major breakthrough and I know he trusts me now, which is ironic because he's under the bed, meaning that he doesn't, uh, which he finds out in the morning because after all the girls leave, he gets up to try and sneak out and he gets caught and arrested and thrown in jail. So that's good. That's what I'm you want. I'm not sure he was actually arrested. I think it, it was, um, let's call him Mr. Banks arrested. It wasn't real prison. Yes. It was campus police. Yes. Uh, good, point. good point. Yes, it was campus police who were a pain. Oh, but he yeah. did have to get bailed out. He did, sort of. I, I was unclear if that was really like getting bailed out or something else went down. I didn't understand that. But um, oh, you also we get to see uh, Albert solve the Rubik's cube thingy, which is disturbing. Albert. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> Saying Albert and disturbing is kind of like you know, saying red and crimson. It's sort of the same thing. Yes. You're 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 absolutely correct. But yes, Melanie is called because they're supposed to get on a flight to Washington so they can make the Georgetown visit and they don't because Melanie comes and says this is not my father my father would trust me and leaves him in jail which I thought was a little little extreme just me she was doing what Mrs. Banks was going to do in another movie it's true you wouldn't do that to me baby it's good (laughs) would she sing for you on a bus would you sing for me on a bus No. No. Yeah. No, she wouldn't. Yeah. That's good. I like that. Instead, it's James's mother who comes and bails him out and gives him this long speech about like, well, you got to let go. You know, how do you think I felt when you went off into the army? Which is the first mention I've heard that he was in the army. You know, we're about it, 10 minutes from the end of the movie. It could have been but it was it didn't matter. It could have been any any place that he had gone. When at the same age, right? He just happened during the military. It didn't matter. Correct. Right. It could have been co- it could have been college also, but same difference. Which is why, which is what made it more weird for me. Yeah. Because it could have been, like you said, it could have been anything, and it's like, oh yeah, you were in the army. I would. I just would have thought it would have come up. That's all I'm saying. But he finally, you know, figures out what's going on. He gets to the airport. She misses the plane to D.C. So they've got to figure out another way to get to Washington, D.C. And they see the USA diving team is all they see. They see the plane. It says USA, and then it says diving team. And they see the guy, and he says, sure, you can come. Are you guys divers? And they're like, yeah, of course we are. And they get on the plane. And it's not until the plane door closes that they see it is the USA Sky diving team. Well, we see that. They That's don't true. see that. Good point, Cheryl. Very good point. <laughs> because they find out when the hatch in the back of the plane opens over DC, and they find out from everybody that, oh yeah, you're not you're not actually um, getting off the plane on the ground because this plane is not going to land. You're going to have to jump out of the plane in order to get to the ground. <laughs> yes, the the wording is great too because because he goes, "You mean we aren't landing in DC?" He goes, "We are. The plane isn't." <laughs> <laughs> At which point I go, "Well, honey, it was a good dream, but it's over." 
Yeah, I'm not jumping out of the plane. Just saying, it's not happening. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was, nice while it lasted. We tried. Sorry. <laughs> but they do. Yes, they do. Again, in the whole slapstick comedy versus serious moment thing, they had this very serious moment in the airport, and then the next thing you know, they're jumping out of a plane, uh, landing on a golf course, knocking over the guy whose wedding, whose daughter's wedding they ruined. I'm surprised they didn't make him miss his putt. This is what I was surprised with with the scene. He did miss his putt. No, he made it in. No, he didn't. It goes around the edge and misses completely. But they didn't make him do it, I don't think. Yeah. Um... I forget if, but he does miss. I yeah, I know exactly, he yeah. misses, but I, I, I was surprised. Like they were gonna land before he missed the field, and and actually cause it. And this also proves my mafia don theme because he was like, "You owe me money. I can make this putt, and you owe me, and we'll figure it out." You know, they they kind of imply that, but they don't imply that. It was very funny the way they did that. No, that that totally makes sense, Cheryl. You are correct. Uh, it, because I, 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 the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, Todd's totally right. They were trying to make a completely different movie. And it seems like they edited – because this movie's not that long. It's an hour and – basically an hour and 20 minutes when you take out the opening and end credits. Uh, it seems like they, they edited a family movie out of a National Lampoon movie. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm guessing. I, th- I think you're completely right. I would love to see the original cut of the movie. Or the original script. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they do, they make it to Georgetown after they crash. They steal the guy's golf cart. The guy gets a, uh, a souped-up tractor cart, and they start. They basically tear through the entire campus of Georgetown, knocking over Lucas Grable uh, on their way. <laughs> you might know as Ryan from High School Musical. Yeah, were they like doing a Greek festival yes. for the yes. that was that yes. but it was reenacting the Trojan War? Was that exactly what was going on there? Pretty much. It's what it looked like. Okay. Because <laughs> sometimes you see things and you just have to make sure that you're seeing what you think you saw. Yes, that's what you saw. Alright. Then I'm good. Okay. But yes, they, she makes it to the interview. She she st- and then she stops like right before she walks in the door, and they have this poignant moment of like, you know, I'm afraid. Which this is the point at which I'm like, okay, I can go along with everything that's happened in the movie. It's slapsticky. It's funny. That was the point at which I'm like, seriously, you just jumped out of a plane and you're afraid to interview with this lady at Georgetown. Yeah, get in that room. I mean, no joke. Like that makes no. There's no internal logic going on there. No. Very frustrating. Yeah. But he manages to talk her into going, saying, you know, hey, I was afraid to let you go. And again, no one references the fact that they just jumped out of a plane to get there. I, that, that would have been my go-to I was afraid reference at that point. Just I saying. agree. I agree. Yeah. And uh, they have a time travel hug. Yes, they hug, and the next thing you know, they are hugging at Georgetown as she's been accepted. She, and her roommate is going to be, or her, no, her dorm mate, dorm mate. <laughs> is going to be Wendy, the daughter of Donny Osmond. Yay. <laughs> Not yay. <laughs> yay. No. Yeah, scary. 
No, uh, and then we have another flash forward after they finally let her go and she walks into the dorm room. And again, like they intercut it with of her walking in the dorm room with scenes of her as a young girl and all this kind of stuff. Like it's a very emotional moment and I'm going, why does this belong in this slapstick comedy? But they do it anyway. Yep. We flash forward to Thanksgiving where <laughs> Melanie has called a hit where apparently Doug, Donny Osmond's character, has been invited to Thanksgiving – at the Porter's house from Orlando, right? He's going to go to Chicago for Thanksgiving. Sure. Why not? You guys do that all the time, right? Absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> if if we were invited to to I'm not, I'm not to say Chicago for Thanksgiving because I know Todd won't go anywhere north of Georgia. <laughs> I'll use the I'll use California for Thanksgiving. I think we would. I I would consider going. Perhaps if I didn't have okay. to cook, I would go to California for Thanksgiving. There you go. But yes, yeah, so, so they know that Melanie and Wendy are coming home. They haven't seen them in three months, and Melanie is bringing her friend Tracy. And when Melanie walks through the door, it turns out that Tracy is a guy. Yep. Yeah. And James manages to deal with it actually pretty well. Yeah, I have to say, considering that the two of them are about to go off to Japan. Well, for mom, well, mom was doing the kind of Mrs. the the Mrs. Banks look, as I like to call it. Yes, <laughs> where it's okay, you better accept this, or it's, it's back into jail with you. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, the unfortunate part comes when Wendy walks in and announces that she's engaged to Scooter, who is Lucas Grabell's character, and Donny Osmond kills him. <laughs> <laughs> After he starts singing show tunes. That's right. He tried to bond instantly with him with a show tune, and Donnie Anders has no, wants nothing to do with it. Lucas Rebell, that he was the kid from High School Musical, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In High School Musical, that's right. He, he, this is one of three times he appears in the movie. Correct. Because yeah. he appears at the very beginning of the mock trial, which I'm not sure if he's the same character. Because... We see him at the Greek festival, and combine that since they were at Georgetown and he was already going to the school, that that could be the same character that she brings home. does seem but, kind of impossible, yes. But he, there's no way he's the character from the beginning. I think they just stuck him in that scene. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, yeah, so the college road trip's over. Yes, because they're in college, and Donnie Osmond has committed a murder. <laughs> yes. Well, it's a good thing she's studying to be a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> True. Good point. Both of them are, I guess, right? Because she inspired she inspired Wendy to go to Georgetown, right? That whole thing went happened. Right. I believe that's correct. Yes. Yeah. So she can help him. Uh, so um, before we get to our reviews, uh, yes. I, thought, I would critics hated this movie like completely and utterly. Yes, they did. Um, I it has it has only about a. Half only about half the people who uh, have actually rated it on uh, Rotten Tomatoes actually liked it, but I want to point out that my my absolute favorite favorite review <laughs> of this movie is Please. the one is the one from Kyle, by Kyle Smith from the New York Post. Okay. Okay, and he's like one of those guys who just likes to get a good zinger in when he rates a bad movie, if you've ever read his reviews before. So he said, College Road Trip is better than most Martin Lawrence movies, much like Strep Throat is better than Malaria. 
Oh. Wow. That's that's not what you want. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, the other thing I want to do is I, I like the um, the advertising that was done for this movie because uh, Raven Simone appeared on uh, WrestleMania 24. Which I remember, and I was wondering why that was happening. When it happened, yeah. Yeah, looking back at it, I think because I this is we didn't see this in the theater, Charles and I. We saw it uh, years later when it, when it was actually like premiered on Disney Channel after it was released because it didn't last that long in the theater, folks. Like no, two, this was no. a two weeker, and uh, so see, I don't remember understanding why he, she was on uh, WrestleMania. Now I do. Yeah, no, I remember seeing it, and even knowing that the film was coming out, I'm like, is this really the audience uh, that you're going for here? Because <laughs> I don't think it was. Yeah, the the other interesting things I thought that you would appreciate this, Ryan. I know yes. Brianna's going to hate that I bring this up. Um, <laughs> So, did you know that this is a product of the Disney Writers Program? You know, your your favorite thing, Ryan? Yes, the completely failed uh, program. Yes, I yes. remember that. You remember what other movie that you loved so much came out of the Disney Writers Program? Oh, not just that movie. Country Bears <laughs> yep. is the one you're talking about. Haunted Mansion. Yep. Prom. 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 <laughs> that's, that's what I was that's what I doing. right there. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, there's a reason why they don't have that program. Right but now. I do think that Disney did accomplish that. They do have – it's a wholesome movie that anyone can watch. I agree. Whether you, Like you, you said, you have a six-year-old, right? You can have your six-year-old watch your movie with you, and yep. it's cool for them. And that is like – I really yep. like that Disney did this. I mean, yeah, it may have not made them a ton of money. Yeah, it's not – It's not. but, hey, it's not Buddy's franchise – and it's something that, you know, it was kind of like they did have done Father of the Bride. So uh, why not try a movie about a kid going to college? Sure, fail, but at least uh, you know, it's not like, you know, <laughs> other things, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with you. It, it is one that you can, the whole family can watch it. It's You're not going to be offended by anything. Um, but I, I think my main criticism of this, kind of what you've heard throughout the whole show, is... They could have chosen to go slapstick or, you know, a sort of a dramedy type approach, and they really didn't make up their mind. They just I, – I, the more the more I, lis- I listen to us talk, it's like I said, I feel like Todd's completely right. They went for a National Lampoon movie, and then they edited a family movie out of what they shot. Yeah, and I think that it's because the movie conflicts with, it, with itself at that level. It really makes it not as good as it could have been had it gone – had it just picked away and went. Yep. Um, that said, Charles, I also agree with you because I, I kind of sort of feel that the only mistake that they made with this movie was ever releasing it in the theater. Yeah. I, I think it should have just gone straight to Disney Channel, and it would have been fine as a Disney Channel movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that too. Because it's not I, – I, I don't think any of us would say it's bad, right, I, unless I'm mistaken. Um, but I don't think anybody would say it's necessarily bad. It's just it's not what it could be. Right. Especially for a theatrical release. Yeah, I think it. I think it brought itself down with whatever was holding, deciding to hold it back. Yeah, I agree. All right. So, uh, shall we rate this one? Sure. All right. All right. Uh, Miss Brianna, why don't you go first? This 
So Ryan, I am gonna Yeah, so like we basically said, this is not bad, but it's not really good either. It's just kinda mediocre. Um I wouldn't refuse to watch it again. You know, I think in the future I would, just not right away. Um but yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna go with two and a half on this one. Could be better. So, yeah. All right. What about you, Cheryl? I'm gonna go with a four. I really, I really like. I said I appreciate that Disney made a family-friendly movie, and that you know, like you said, you can have your six-year-old daughter watch it. You can probably have a two-year-old maybe watch it. I don't know if they would care, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Malcolm and Zim would be watching it, but I, I think it's a good movie. I really, I also like Donny Osmond in the movie. I really think they should have done that a little bit more with that. I do think I like like Todd says there's there's two there you know there's two different situations and they could play it up you know meeting Don, you know Donny Osmond's character a little bit more. Yep. Understood. Todd. Um, well, I've kind of sort of kind of push to you know how i feel about it i it's i've actually watched it a few times you know this was not the first time i was seeing it and you know it's like the fourth time i think i've seen this movie probably mm-hmm. it's it like brianna said i i'm not gonna if this is a, what i've got to watch i'll watch it it's not a problem okay it, there are points in it when it is clearly a very funny movie you know at, at a lot of levels but at the end, I feel like because it weighs itself down so much with things that it should have just done what it needed to do to make a better movie. I mean, it's really only to me a two-star movie. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. That's exactly what I was going to say. And uh, my daughter gave, told me it was a two after we finished watching it. So I have to stick with her as well. If you want to factor her her in, I agree. It's a two star movie. I mean, it, that I'm with you. It's not one that I would refuse to watch. It's you know, if if somebody said, "Hey, we're going to watch this," it wouldn't. I'm not going to groan when they say it, but I'm also not going to jump for joy. Uh, but it's it, it is definitely good for the whole family. Like Cheryl said, it's something that everybody can watch. It just needed to choose a personality and stick with it. Either be completely slapstick comedy or be a little more serious type stuff. And I would have chosen the slapstick comedy because that's the kind of actors that you have in the movie. But that's just us. All right, so that is our look at College Road Trip, the raven Simone martin Lawrence film. Uh, if you differ with us or you have other things that you would like to hear or see about College Road Trip, uh, tough because we're not going to watch it again. But you can leave a note in the show notes and let us know what things those might be. Uh, until next week, you can give comments in the show notes. Let us know what you think. You can also find us on Twitter at DizFilmProject, and you can let us know what you thought of College Road Trip or our talk about it. Or you can also uh, go find us on Facebook, and you can find us there if you just go search Disney Film Project. All right, so uh, until next week, folks, enjoy the movies. Did he say anything about understanding 10-year-olds? Little Houdini pig. You know, Sigmund Freud said the best way to understand women is by listening to them. In the future, all video will be implanted in our brains.